Is he gonna break it? Oh, he got the cross and they fouled. Remember when we 40 ball Louisville and thought we were nice? Let's talk about some Big Ten. Jackie Heisman. You know we're here in Madison, Martin, Wisconsin. Jonathan Taylor looks really nice for the Bears. Between the hashes. Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. Welcome to Condos Corner. Packers by a million. Packers by 56. JK all day. Tyler Hero's a dog. Game 7. This is Badgers in the Basement. Welcome to Badgers in the Basement. This is Badgers in the Basement. 3, 2, 1, live, episode 3. Let's get it, boys. We're back in the basement. This is Badgers in the basement. How are we feeling? Feeling all right. You know, not, not taking the loss tonight too uh, too hard. Too hard. Well, we're going to hop right <laughs> into it. Welcome back, boys. Uh, it feels good to be back talking with you guys. Uh, we got a lot to cover today. As always, I'm your host, Justin Milky, along with wonderful Christian Furman and Christopher Condolian. The Badgers... Had senior night tonight. They played number five Illinois. You were over there, right? I was there. It was uh, slightly disappointing that Io DeSumo was out tonight. Um, I would have been a joy to really watch him play some basketball today. But it was also good to see the Badgers. Good to see him one last time at the Cole Center. It was good to see Trice one last time at the Cole Center. Yeah. I don't know about everybody else. I could have done without their performances today, but. I agree. I was happy for Trice. If anybody of our, if any one of our seniors deserved to go out with a bang and have that kind of performance, he absolutely deserves it. I, he's really like, like had my respect ever since the Indiana game last year because that Indiana game last year where he was hitting shots down the stretch when we like needed like that was like the win we needed to get a share of the Big Ten championship for regular season, and he just I remember him hitting that one shot at the end to go up and we were just like holy shit like we're gonna beat this indiana is it <laughs> in the, like at indiana and, yeah. and like wow like we're really gonna be big 10 champs and i think from that point on i always knew that he was a stud and beginning of the season he had that same mojo going and was a big time scorer for us big focal point of the offense but it just kind of fizzled out and ha- he hasn't been that great lately but i was so happy to see him just bury you know what, five for five from three mm. and then four for four from the charity stripe at the end of the mm. game. That was awesome to see. You know, senior night is an emotional night, and it was a good time to, you know, reflect. And for all the criticisms and all the, the ups and downs that we've been through with these guys, me personally, I would just like to say thank you to all the seniors for everything you guys have done because it was really, truly uh, a different and a special run that you guys have had over the past few years. And, and I think the big bang was last year winning that Big Ten championship. Absolutely. They they really earned it. They really they really deserve some love for, for how interesting this season has gone, but they deserve some love. They did some awesome things and they followed up a great final four caliber team. You know, it's hard to, you know, fill those shoes. I mean this recruiting class was taken over for the likes of Frank Kaminsky, Sam Decker, Nigel Hayes, Bronson Caning, you know. Wisconsin has some high expectations and there's been a lot of criticisms but you know, thank you to these guys, these seven guys who put it out on the court just about every single night. Absolutely. I mean, do we have to continue to be so sad and negative here, boys? Do we think we have any kind of future in the rest of the Big Ten season, in the rest of March Madness? Do you think that the Badgers are going to still be capable of a run? I think if you're a Badger fan, it's just about having fun at this point. Um, and that's not even... <laughs> it sounds like a funeral. No, that's why no, I asked exactly. you guys I mean, these questions. You well, say, thank I mean, you, seniors. Honestly, like, we're done. We're flopping over. Well, it's not like, that we're flopping, but it is, it's senior night, man. It's a time to yeah. remember what they've done. So, like, like it's something to talk about. Right, that's right, what I'm, right, saying. No, I'm not trying fair. to make it like a funeral, but I did want to show my gratitude for how harsh yeah. I've been on these guys. Because, right? honestly, like, if all we did was talk about tonight, then a lot of those guys wouldn't get the love that they've honestly deserved over the True. last four years. Because... Right. Flat we, stat lines. Right, because we shot 25% for the majority of the game tonight, which was, you know, less yeah. than ideal. <laughs> Very less than ideal. But but they have done, like last year, I mean, these guys proved the dog within them, and they, they really faced a lot of adversity in their careers. And I just don't think there's a, a another group of Badgers that have faced as much adversity as them, and they've, they've come a long way. And Demetric Trice was symbolic of the Badger way tonight. He showed the pure grit. I mean, you're you're down, you're getting beat, you're about to lose to your sixth straight ranked opponent, you're split in about three and three in February, you lost three of your last four, it's tough. 
And he really just put the whole entire team and the whole entire state of Wisconsin on his back and exactly. scored 19 points just to show, like, hey, we're not done. We're not giving up. Like, we still got something to prove. Like, a lot of people are already counting them out. And that's why I say to your question, Chris, just if you're a Badger fan, just have fun with this. Yeah, we're out of contention for a regular season Big Ten championship. Nobody picked us to go to the Final Four. And we're the last person, we're the last team that anybody thinks is going to win the Big Ten tournament. So, mm-hmm. hey, let's just enjoy this ride with with these guys while we got it and, and, just, and just appreciate everything that they brought for the program. And tonight would have been a huge win in terms of maybe riding the ship towards the end of the season here. But that's not to say that they can't make something special happen with the last two games. I mean, who knows? I was a little banged up. Purdue has looked great lately, but definitely yep. a team that we're capable of beating if we play well. And and at this point, I I think honestly what the seniors and the other guys that play have to realize is, you know, what do you have to lose? Like like you're right. already being written off now. People know that you're you're not the team that everyone thought you were going to be. Been in a big shooting slump, lacking offensive production. And sometimes, you know, that's what makes teams scary to play is when they have nothing to lose. So if the Badgers just embrace that mentality going forward, maybe they'll make some noise here. And they're not bad by any means. This team is pretty good, actually. But throughout the duration of this entire season, they have proven that they they struggle shooting the basketball. And whatever that reason may be, you know, I don't have the answer. I'll be straight honest with you. But what I do have the answer to is these guys play some really gritty defense that keeps them in ball games that, that – they shouldn't be it. I mean, when you shoot as poorly as they did, I mean, 10 for 37 in the first half compared to Illinois shooting the ball roughly like 65%, I mean, you're, you're, that comparison right there, you should be down by 30, 35 points. That's just pathetic. And the Badgers had 17 more shots than the Illini. They created so many possessions. They, they forced like 12 turnovers like, in the first say, half. Like 12 or 16 they had turnovers. six offensive rebounds. I mean, those numbers grew as the game went on. Exactly. But the numbers that didn't grow is like, you know, the turnovers grew, but points off turnovers didn't grow. You know, offensive rebounds grew, but second chance points didn't grow. So it's like, you know, they, uh, they show signs of great life. They showed signs that, I mean, they can really hang with any team in the country, but if you want to beat the best of the best, you know, you just can't shoot like that. And this isn't uh, this isn't a case study. This has been the entire year. This isn't like, oh, the Badgers had a terrible night shooting. I will say this is probably the worst night shooting they've had. However, shooting, you know, you'd hope it's an easy fix, but it's never been an easy fix for the Badgers this year. It's been a complete different story than last year. Last year they shot the lights out of the ball, and it was an amazing thing to see. But this year, different story, man. Yeah. The last thing I want to say in this segment is, does this bring about any major structural concern for Wisconsin no. basketball program? Are you guys tired of this endless cycle no. of saying, oh, like, we did all right, but no, we'll, we'll get them next year. What do you think about that? They, um, they just, uh, the production has been lacking from a couple of our key guys. Greg Gard only wants to play eight guys, and when you have consistently four to five guys who aren't producing on the offensive end every night and those guys may change around but usually you only have two three guys that are really scoring as of late for us mm-hmm. you're just not going to get it done I think Northwestern we had five guys in double figure for the yeah. first time in like by 20. In the first time maybe in all of Big Ten play Right, but and that's the, that's the way Wisconsin basketball is supposed to be played is with five guys scoring in double digits spreading the ball around but the offense just gets so stagnant, and guys like Nate Reavers, Aleem Ford, Micah Potter at times, Brad Davison, they've been shooting at a horrible mark where they're just they're shooting from three egregious numbers that just you're not going to win games like that, especially in a conference that's probably the strongest we've seen any Division One mm-hmm. conference in years. And they're just not going to get it done doing that. Mm-hmm. But as far as the program's concerned, Jonathan Davis is a huge bright spot. I mean, he's arguably been our second or third best player behind Trice this year, probably second, quite honestly. We're going to bring in Chucky Hepburn, who I've told Justin and I've told you, I think he is as equally as talented as Johnny Davis was, if not even more so in the state of Nebraska in high school. I mean, he's been laying hammers on dudes, can shoot from three, he can do everything, and so right. our, like our backcourt next year with the two of them is going to be really, really good, and I, I'm not at all worried about the state of Wisconsin basketball program. We'll be fine.
I'm not more so concerned about the state, uh, but there is some structural things that definitely I would I would say me personally would would want, I want to change. And just to answer your question, Chris, like yeah, like we're we're not like a team that needs to go into full rebuild and fire everybody. Um, and yes, it is frustrating every year you finish the year and you know, oh, this is great. You know, you got to settle. It's like we're settling every yeah, year. Yeah, we did all right. You know, oh, yeah, we did all right. And the exception was the two Final Four runs with Frank the Tank. But and, we didn't. But now I'm just saying, I wouldn't say that. I would just say that we need to give Greg Gard a little bit more time because this was really his first run at it with a group of guys. I mean, Demetri Trice was one of his first recruits. I mean, these guys are like his first his first go at it. He's now, Greg Gard's now putting his footing into the program. You know, he's won a Big Ten championship. Uh, he's done some bright things, but now it's kind of like, all right, his seniors are about to graduate. Let's see what he can do round two. You know, like he has an opportunity ahead of him to really still prove himself and really leave Badger fans saying like, like not, oh, I'm good with what we did this year, but we are Big Ten champions. We did just win the Big Ten tournament. We are making a run for a Final Four. And that's what I think will come soon, but we got to give Greg Gard time. And I, I, as much as we spoke on the love we have for the seniors and the appreciation for what they've done the last three years we've been here and then the year that we weren't, I do think that as much as these guys may want to come back and try and, like, right their wrongs and stuff, I think it's time to just cycle through because they can come back with the COVID rules, right? But I just think it's time that we cycle through, get the next group of guys in, Maybe next year is a year where, like, it's just growing pains with mostly freshmen, sophomores, Tyler Walls, and junior. But that's just where I think this team needs to go. It needs to be new faces. It needs to be new guys, yes. more minutes, and the, maybe a different type of team, be, different type of offense because we're different that, players. That's what I was going to say right. because like, that's what, that's what I was for. saying about structural change. And I kind of – kept it vague with just give Greg Gard time but yeah. that's what I mean it's like we're bringing in a whole new onslaught of players with a whole different variety of skill sets so it's going to really be up to Greg Gard to adapt to his players and see what his strengths of his players are and play around them rather than playing the Wisconsin way because I hate to break it for all you Wisconsin fans all you old timers there is a way to find middle ground to play some fundamental gritty defense and play some real good scon basketball as well as running the break and getting some points exactly. and not being a lousy uh stagnant looking offense Slow because a lot team. of time our our offense uh, like we like to say Wisconsin's a team team uh, a team team you know like a team team like they really play for each team other and first, they, yeah. they play they yeah. do play for each other but i hate to say it our offense doesn't speak that way because a lot of times our shots are swing it around and then they just get an open th- not an open three they just take a three from the corner or we feed the post and it's one on one it's like or give it to Johnny Davis you know one on one it's so much one on one ball there's barely any motion there's little there's little like rubs we run there's little actions we run but it's for the most part it's a lot of one on one ball and that's got to change i mean especially with this group cuz this group was not designed to play one on one ball like we have Sam Decker and Frank Kaminsky out there playing basketball no this team needed some flair in the offense well, let me just say it's not that this team it's not that this team wasn't meant to. They the can't. guys that were meant to are not doing it. They like can't. Nate Reavers was a guy last year where I could give him the ball in the post and he's scoring three times out of five. You know. Hopefully. This year. Like for example, Nate opened the game tonight one for five. Mm-hmm. And then that was just Nate was just, you know, whatever the rest of the night. But with that, let's talk about a different sport here, yeah. UW. Pick Justin. up the pace a little bit. I mean another set of sad news oh yeah a little sad but not as sad as saying goodbye to such long time seniors but it is bad news the ladies the number one team in the nation and the 10-0 badger volleyball team just got hit with a little bit of covid so now they're taking two weeks off it's not the end of the world they'll be back in two weeks and they'll be just in time for two of their biggest games against penn state and minnesota so that's bright news they'll be back in time for the big 10 tournament and the ncaa tournament but is this a good or a bad thing that the ladies get Two and a half weeks off. So much time off your legs. So much time out of the gym. No practice. That's just it. I think if they're not going to be on the court practicing, it's going to be an evident negative for them. I don't know if you guys agree. Because you you can't just jump out of the season and jump back in just sitting around for seven days. It's going to be like two weeks. No, it's two weeks. It's a full. full It's it's actually three weeks. It's actually. um, I mean, you're right. There's. 
there's going to be positive in like getting time to yourself, regenerating, refreshing, but a whole two weeks out of the game and jumping back in is not going to be healthy for them. No. No, absolutely. And I think they're supposed to play Nebraska this weekend too, which I think would have been a really good matchup and been a good test for them Top early five, in the yep. season. But the Penn State and Minnesota are also very good teams, and that's going to be a real wake-up call when they come back from this little hiatus they have to take. And, and it's it, those are it's always tough to, to play tough teams early because you're not really in stride. You haven't found mm-hmm. your mojo. You haven't you know clicked on all cylinders yet. But well, I th- it's they- going to be a real like wake-up like, come on, the season's still going. Yeah. I know you had three weeks off, but let's go. On the bright side, they do open with Northwestern, so they get a little, okay. they get a little, you know, warm up. We'll call it, and with all due respect to Northwestern, and then they start <laughs> number seven, Minnesota, home and home, and then they go two games at number nine, Penn State, and then they finish with two games home against number twenty-four, Michigan. So it's a tough stretch right. there down the stretch for the ladies. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, this team's talented. We talked about Devin Robinson before. We yep. know Dana Reckie's a stud. I mean, they can definitely get it done. I think they're going to come out hot, man. I think this is not good for them. I don't think it's good for them. I mean, for goodness sake, they've they started the season like five months late. These ladies want to play. Get them on the court, man. These girls want to play. But I, I I trust this Badger team. I mean, this Badger team is poised. They're veteran. They're old. I know the people on the team, whether they're doing individual stuff or small group, they're they're getting workouts in. They're working on the side. They know what's at stake here. And I trust that these girls are going to come back and they're going to be playing at a high level right when they come back. Similar to the way, you know, you look at college basketball, Michigan Wolverines basketball, they were out for a while, and then they came right back in. They did their thing against Wisconsin, but it wasn't just us. They kept marching. I think the Badger volleyball team is going to do the same thing in their respective sport. I think they're going to come in. They might seem a little shaky in the first game against Northwestern, but I think they're going to finish strong in those six games after. How is this going to affect them for the next two weeks? Can they maintain a number one position, or are they going to take them out of there? I don't see any reason why they would get penalized for this. Right. Like, I think when Gonzaga went on their break early in December for basketball. This is just more of a logistical question about, like, how the NCAA is handling this I don't think that that's going to, like, make the NCAA think, like, oh, yeah, you guys aren't good just because you're not playing. Especially if they come back out and sweep Northwestern, which they very well could. Then people are going to be like, okay, yeah, there's nothing wrong with this team. Like, they're good to go. We'll keep them at one. Cool. Well, it's good to see. Our uh, women's volleyball team doing great things. I mean, we we have good things to say about that. Can't wait to see them again. Absolutely. In other news, this past week, you may have seen Kyrie Irving's name in headlines for what he recently said about the NBA logo, about how he thinks that it needs to be changed to some to Kobe Bryant to pay homage to the Black Kings that the league was made on. How do you guys feel about that? I'm all for it, man. I mean, just so people know, Jerry West does not even want to be the logo. <laughs> he, he said he's come out publicly and said that he's embarrassed by it and that he wishes somebody else was the was the logo or something else was the logo. So I think it is good for a change. Now, with that put aside, thinking about Kobe, I think it's almost the perfect person for it. There's a lot of people that argue Jordan, right? People, people want to see Jordan. People want to see him on there, but his airness is already a worldwide phenomenon, you know? He is already across the globe. And it's not to say that Kobe isn't across the globe, but Jordan's already branded for what he is. He's already known, and he's still growing. But if Kobe, you take Kobe, already a worldwide guy, you put his image onto the NBA, that only reaps benefits for the NBA, first off. But second off, that's a, that's a reminder. Night in and night out. You look at your jersey, you got Mamba on your jersey. That is the essence of the National Basketball Association. Every single day, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to prove somebody wrong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it my all, and I'm going to do it, everything that I can do. That's the mama mentality. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. That subtle reminder on your jersey every night, I think I could do with it. I think it speaks beautiful things. I cannot agree with you more, Justin. Um, I know we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, and it got me into looking about the history of why Jerry West was actually on the jersey and after doing some digging, there really was no reason, like you said. The, the the designer said he used him as a good silhouette. It wasn't for any kind of recognition for being a great player, but just because he had a good vertical and it had him leaning and dribbling <laughs> and had some motion to it. Like There's genuinely zero reason. And I agree with you. After the circumstances, 
and the events we witnessed this past year, there is not a better person than Kobe Bryant to put if we had to start actually trying to put some meaning behind the National Basketball Association, especially after all the events, all the movements they've been a part of this past year, if we're actually trying to start embedding meaning into history and moving towards this new era, the new logo of Kobe Bryant would be an awesome step. So I agree with you completely on that. I just think, I think it'd be crazy for the NBA to change the logo in general just because, like, the NBA logo is so iconic right now. Like, you, like, it's like... Well, you wouldn't think a change would splash the world in no, news? No, it, it absolutely like, could. Like, people would, people would know. In good no, news. No, no, I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying, like, like, I think that the NBA logo now is just... I understand that, like, Jay West, like, being on it is just, like, whatever. For but, no like, reason. the logo itself, like, like, and I bet you the majority of... The people that aren't, like, your everyday fans, like, they probably don't even know that Jerry West is a logo or, like, who Jerry West even is, which is a problem of its own. But I think it would take a lot for the NBA to actually change the logo. And I'm not saying that they should or shouldn't. I just, like, it would take a lot for that to happen. And they're the only major sport that, like, has a logo that is, like, like player-centric. Like, MLB is like just like a, a like a, a generic person batting the mm-hmm. nfl is just the shield the nhl is also just a shield so i wouldn't be surprised that that M- if the nba chose to change the logo that they didn't just make it something that was more generic and not player based because i don't think the league itself wants to put out the message that you know one player is necessarily representative of the whole league because that's not at all accurate like saying that jerry west is like who the league aspires to be or like is like representing like the entire league and the league's history is just completely inaccurate. So I I think it would be very cool like if they had to pick a person, Kobe would be at the top of my list, but I also think it would be cool if the NBA found like a logo that popped that was more generic and like maybe had something like a logo that was basketball based or a logo that was like that basketball hoop based or something like that. I respect that. The only thing I have to say though. You you mentioned the NBA logo is pretty iconic. I would have to argue that Kobe Bryant is more iconic than the NBA. Period. Could be. That's all I got to say. But I agree with your point. No, I be- respect what he's saying, too. And we talked about this in our conversation. Like, there's a ton of lobbying and a ton of money that goes into actually changing this logo. This is history we're talking about right. here. And for them to just go put a single person as the face forever of the NBA is a right. tough look. And it's hard, although, you, like you said, it would be a great story in reality. Is that actually going to happen? I don't know. The, the thing is that I would like to say, though, is that um, the Mamba mentality is a shared experience. Absolutely. It was fueled through Mamba himself and built upon himself with some essence of Jordan in there based on his game. Yeah. But, you know, like, the mentality... It goes deeper than just being an individual figure. Absolutely. But the, the mentality is the mentality that he instilled in all of his teammates that he played with to win championships. The mentality rubbed off on an entire nation as they watched this guy over his historic career. The mentality was instilled in people when they watched him drop 60 points on his final game, on his last legs. I mean, it, it, yes. Somebody is being used, an individual is being used, but the individual is being used to represent something bigger than himself. No, absolutely. Very well said. And that's why I think, I really just think that would be why Kobe should be the guy. But if you want to talk about who might be the most deserving to be the symbol of the league, you know, I would say Jordan. Could be Jordan, but I, I just mean, don't think they those, can do they're that. One, with they're his, one and two, in my opinion. They're one yeah. and two, and then maybe right. like you could talk about Bill Russell because he's you know the most the yep. winningest ever. Jerry West even mentioned he wanted Kareem Skyhook. Yeah, it could be. I it's just it's so crazy to me that of like that they that they deem this photo iconic because granted this was forty something years ago, so it's still a little bit before Jordan. But I, I it's crazy to me that since then somebody hasn't been like oh like. You know, this photo of, like, like the Jordan logo, like, this photo of Jordan dunking is just so iconic, everybody would get it. Something along those lines. Like, an image of, of Kobe doing his, like, trademark, you know, step back, fade yeah. away, turn around, that's what whatever. I, that's why I told Nico like, it should just, be. It's so iconic. 
And it's yep. crazy that, it's that, that they just have this like very plain Jane image of Jerry West dribbling <laughs> a basketball. Yeah, no, but you know your argument mean? is so valid that I don't know how that happened. And it seems to be almost a fluke, like I was right. saying earlier, that some guy just designed it around him. But should it be like one person representing everyone is the question again. Like, Yeah, and in my, in my opinion... I think no, because it takes away from the league history as a whole. Like, it, it seems like they want to tell, like, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with telling the story of the Mamba mentality, but to have that just be, like, the headline story for the league, I don't think does other stories justice, like Jordan's, although there's a little bit of him. But then you have guys, like, there's LeBron has his story, too, and Bill Russell has his story, Larry Bird, Magic, like, when you're like just projecting one guy, I think it takes away from the rest and ultimately takes away from the history of the league. Yeah, I agree. There's some, there's some bigger than individualism idea going on here that I think Jerry West also agrees with. Absolutely, <laughs> it's, a, it's a deep question. It's, it's bigger than any kind of stats we're gonna talk about on here. But yeah, hey, let's keep it in the NBA though. We got a heat. I think we're far enough in the season to talk a little MVP race. A little MVP race. Ooh, it's heating up. We got some prolific scorers out there doing some damage. I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with NBA lately. But, Christian, who's your top pick for some MVP? Let me MVP? just say, first and foremost, about any MVP race in general, the number one criterion is not how well you're doing. It's how well your team is doing. Most your valuable team is not, individual to the team. Right. If, if your team is not one of the most winning teams, then your no. like, MVP race is shot. And I agree. I mean, I, the one person I think of is like Luca. Luca's averaging MVP numbers. Absolutely. But he's not but really they're, in they're the discussion even, because right, you're not valuable. It's not valuable if you have those stats and you're losing. So I, I love your point there. Because they're ninth in the West right now. So yeah, I don't, they're not even a playoff team as of right now. So it'd be tough to have him in there. So for me, I got to go with Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is putting up ridiculous numbers right now. He is. He is. Respect. Averaging about 30 points a game and 11 rebounds a game. To go along with that, the Sixers are the number one team, the number one seed in the East right now. So you're having a player put, averaging a double-double, putting up almost 30 a game and is, like, pioneering the number one team in the East. So I think it's hard to say anyone else is doing more for their team and contributing to a winning culture in the NBA right now than Joel Embiid. My only disagreement with that is that Giannis is doing the same thing. (laughs) I love it. I don't disagree with anything that Joel is doing. He's on a tear this year, and he is Homer. a well-deserving. He's a well-deserving. No, hear me out. I got a, I got a serious <laughs> point to make. Are you a Bucks fan? I am a Bucks fan. All right, so you're a homer. I'm a little bit of a homer. <laughs> okay. I get but it. I have rep, a, rep your boy, but I'm just saying. There's but, a little bit of bias there. There's a little bit of bias, but you know what isn't biased? The numbers. 28.9 points per game, 11.7 rebounds per game, 5.9 assists per game, 1.3 steals a game, and 1.3 blocks a game. He's an all-around player. He plays every every angle of the game well. And this is what I have to say about Giannis, and this is the only thing that I would say is different about him. Because I think that Giannis is the same in the, in the fact of Embiid that, I mean, without, without Giannis, this Milwaukee Bucks team is nothing. So he's the most valuable contributor to their success in building a winning uh, culture in Milwaukee, and trust me, I'm a Bucks fan. I've seen some scary years, <laughs> so I know what this man has done for the franchise. Now, the one thing that separates him, and this is the reason why I think he has a chance to three-peat, he hasn't even turned it on yet. Giannis has not even turned it on yet. If you watch the games, I've been watching all these games, he looks like he's out in the driveway practicing. He looks like he's trying to, like, with all, like, this is exactly what he should be doing. He should be working on his jumper. He should be working on some moves. But I have seen this guy shooting threes that he shouldn't be shooting. And he's been doing little, little, little itsy ditsy moves looking, looking like he's literally learning on the spot, which is good. But with that being said, it's almost like he's playing around. He's not even trying yet. He's not even giving it his full all, and he's averaging those numbers. And the Bucks already, they're in third place. They're creeping behind the 76ers and the Nets. But, but I mean, there's a reason why we're in third. The other night on TNT, Giannis said the, the one seed doesn't mean anything to him. He's just right. about getting better. It, and so I think, I can't remember who said this and, like, really opened my eyes, my eyes to this idea, but... The Bucks' issue in, in the past is that they're so used to playing one way, but then when you have to play the same team seven games in a row, you have to be multidimensional. You can't 
just have to try and play through Giannis. Because if you play a team like the Celtics, who have Marcus Smart or have someone else who was really going to be a pain in, the, in Giannis's ass to like for him to score, the Bucks got to be able to go somewhere else or be able to have like a different offense or Giannis can contribute in another way other than having to take the ball and just trying to ram down the paint and score. And so it's almost like the Bucks need to go through some growing pain during the regular season so that they learn how to do other things than just run through Giannis so that they can be more prepared to play a team in a best-of-seven series. I would argue that this year is them going through these growing pains. They've lost yeah, a lot of games. Good. They have not and looked I'm, dominant. I'm, happy it's, I'm happy it's going like this almost. And, but Giannis is still averaging these numbers. And we're still third in the East going through these growing pains, learning all this stuff, trying to figure it out, trying to piece it together. Because you're right. I'll say this. I think Giannis is on track for a third uh, MVP in a row, but I don't think the Bucs can win the NBA championship with this roster. Either some development needs to happen or some trades need to happen to bring some better assets on to make a stronger bench, a deeper team, a better lineup. There, There's just things that need to happen for this team. I agree. But Giannis, man, while they're getting better, right. he's out there hooping, schooling these kids like it's nothing. It'd be hard to talk about the MVP race without talking about LeBron James. He's obviously one of the front runners. I think his biggest issue, though, is the Lakers seem to be struggling without AD. Yes. And that's why, I, in, in my opinion, I think that Embiid is ahead of him. And we could argue whether or not Giannis or LeBron would be two or, or three on my list. But I think LeBron's definitely one of the top three candidates. He's having a remarkable year, averaging, I think, it's like 26, 8 and 8, something along those lines. And that's just, I mean, that's what LeBron's going to do. They're just not winning that much without AD, which really hurts his MVP campaign. And obviously, it's not something he cares about too much or is too pressed. You don't play to win MVP. You play to win a championship. So it'll all take care of itself when the season winds down. But those are the three guys for sure, Giannis, Joel, and LeBron. One guy I really want to mention, though, real quick is Damian Lillard, man. I just want to give him some mad respect. <laughs> I do. I mean, you're laughing, but this guy's <coughs> averaging 29.6 points per game, 11. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Let me back that up. Not 11. Damian Lillard is averaging 29.6 points per game, 4.4 rebounds per game, 8 assists a game, and he's doing this all to get his team in the fifth seed spot seed in the, in, in the West. I mean, this is a really competitive Western Conference Western right Conference now. is nuts. I mean, so we're I, talking about whether or not the Mavs are going to make it. And yeah. The Mavs are a team that I really feel like should make it. But, but yeah, I just wanted to show Dame some love. He's not my top pick for MVP, but it seems like nobody is talking about him. And somebody needs to be talking about him because he's doing huge things and he's putting this team in a great position. He's doing great things, and this team is, is just really reaping the benefits off of it. And half the games they haven't had C.J. McCollum. Imagine when they add him back to the lineup, they'll be rolling. But if I want to pick somebody from the West, Steph Curry, without a doubt. Also him, yeah. He's, he's replicating his, his 2015 MVP campaign. It's fun he, watching <laughs> him play, dude. It's fun. It's fun again. I turn on the TV every night just to see Steph. If, if, no matter what's going on, I'm just searching for that Warriors game. that late game, too. Oh, it's always on. Yeah. No, dude, I, yeah, I love watching Steph. I, yeah, it's fun to watch him again. You can tell that he's just having a good time, and he's, like, balling, balling out again. It really makes you wonder what they could do with Clay, Because Wiseman looks yeah. sharp. Yeah. Draymond looks, looks like really... he's back to his yeah, Draymond, Draymond ways. You know, you know what his stat is... line was last night? What was it? He had he had 11, I think he had 11, 19, and 12. He had 19 Woo! assists last night. <laughs> That's what they need. That's old That's Draymond. Crazy, That's Draymond bro. filling the gaps. 19 assists? That's Draymond doing the things that this team needs to That's be a playoff contender, be a team that can win some series yeah. in the playoffs. Totally, but it's it's a it's not a clear cut race, which is what I like. I think it's like it's not at this point. Yeah. It's anybody's game. I mean, right. of all the people we just it's, mentioned, it's, it's anybody's not like a game. runaway for Giannis like it has been the last two years. And oh, I mean, no. obviously the season's still fairly young. Like we're about midway, close to halfway. So someone could obviously emerge and break out, but it's. It's anybody's race as of right now. Yep. It's going to be interesting to see which one of these guys can bring their team to an NBA championship. But before then, we're coming down in the last few days of February, boys. I think it's time to look back on some of our favorite NCAA March Madness moments ever as we get ready for the 2021 tournament. Mm. Milky, let's start oh, with you. My. Goodness, I think reminiscing the days, one or two. Oh <laughs> that my yours could gosh! Be. Oh my gosh! I was sitting on the couch with my pops. We were watching the Badgers. 
all the 2015 badges. They just they, they were tearing through the Blue Bloods. All I got to say about that team is that was just the dirtiest team, the best college basketball team ever assembled with no McDonald's All-Americans. They went deep into the tournament. They speared the hearts of a lot of Blue Bloods, came up short against Duke. But the greatest moment in arguably Wisconsin basketball history, 60-60, <laughs> Kentucky, Wisconsin, it's coming down. Coach Calipari sweating. <laughs> Bo Ryan, stealthy as ever with his arms crossed on one knee. All right. Sam Decker with the ball. We're all a little scared because this is the kid that just, you know, he just takes it. He does it. Step back three to put the Badgers up three against 38-0 in Kentucky. But wait, there is more. We come back on the other side of the ball. Sam Decker took a charge, a charge that iced the game away. Stole the hearts of Big Blue Nation. Avenged the loss. That Kentucky team was better than that Badger team on paper. But you know what the one thing separated those two was? Badgers wanted it more. They were mad. They were never supposed to lose the year prior to 8 seed Kentucky just because they missed one free throw at the end of the game. You know how that hurt? They were grinding the whole year just to see Kentucky. Kentucky practically didn't lose a game till the next time they saw Wisconsin. Wisconsin took them out like it wasn't shit. We'll see you later, Big Blue Nation. Rest easy. Badgers by a million. Christian, what's your favorite March Madness moment? That Let, let me just pause. That was ecstatic. <laughs> so I grew up rooting for Purdue basketball until I came here because my dad went to grad school there. And the only Purdue memory I have is when they lost in overtime to the Arkansas oh. Little Rock, so we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> but the moment that, like, is forever ingrained in my head was, like, has to be the UNC Villanova National Championship. Oh, because unbelievable. I, I loved Marcus Page mm-hmm. and Bryce Johnson at UNC, and that was crazy. I just remember, like, UNC was like really close and then they all of a sudden they were down three because I, I think they were down like a little while and they like brought it all the way back and it was a game and Marcus Page was such a bucket for UNC he's like strapped up on the wing and he like goes up to shoot sees there's a hand there has to double clutch still gets it up banks it in tie game everyone's going nuts and Jordan then, was going crazy Wright, on the sideline and Wright's like whoa 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 yep. time out Time out. And we're like, all right, all right, all right. Let's see what's going on here. And I'm thinking, like, yo, like, is UNC about to do this? I'm pretty sure I had them, like, I either had them winning my bracket or something. So I was like, come on, like, UNC's got to do it. And Jay Ray was like, not so fast. Not so fast, my friend. Dials up a play. Everyone's like, everyone sees Ryan Archidiakno. There's four seconds left. Ryan Archidiakno bring the ball up the court. That's, like, they're, like, Brad Davison, right? Like, he's the household name in Villanova Nation. Archidiakno brings it up the court. Flicks it back to Chris Jenkins for three. Gets and the championship. Down. Nah, that was like by far the craziest. That was the craziest like championship I've ever watched. It, I mean, it was unbelievable. Like, like I was just sitting there with my hands on my head. Just I was like, oh my! Like it was so crazy. I backed that. Man. Unreal. I've ne- I've never been a fan of Villanova, but that was a moment where I felt like I was a lifelong fan. It was just hands down. Yeah. The greatest national championship game the tournament has ever seen. All right, all right. I'll close this up by saying my final one. University of Michigan Final Four run. I think that, for me personally, counts as maybe one of the best Michigan basketball teams since the Fab Five. That was the team with Mitch McGarry. I don't know if you guys remember him. He got caught with, like, a weed charge and became irrelevant, but he was an insane college player. They had Hardaway, Wagner, Stauskas. Like, that was an absurd team. That was one of the most wet teams I've ever watched (laughs) in college basketball, and they just unloaded. And that was just – I just remember that year. It was crazy March Madness. That's really what, like, breeded my love for March Madness and, like, really gets me coming back every year. Dude, I'm yeah. so excited for yeah. March Madness. I know. <laughs> we were deprived last year from no March Madness. But this year, you better believe we're going to be watching Indianapolis pretty damn closely for about three weeks. All right, and staying on that subject, the last thing we got for you today, between the hashes, we're going to be talking about the dark Oops. horses that are on the bubble that could get in the tournament and maybe make some noise. Christian, what's the first team on our list? Duke. 
Dookies. They did lose tonight. They did just lose Dukies. to Louisville. So <laughs> we'll, the we'll see. It's going to it's gonna be close for them now because they lost to Louisville. But they were just on a solid five-game win streak. Coach K has got them going in the right direction. What do you think the difference was between before that five-game winning streak and then during that five-game winning streak? Uh, it's just this, like, you know, I'm a big math guy. You guys know that, engineering major. But yeah. it's a little addition by subtraction. You know? Yeah. It's just a little addition, addition by subtraction. Addition by subtraction. Exactly. They, they said... Subtract Dylan Johnson, yeah. and then they add it to the win column. Addition by subtraction. Pretty easy. I think two things happen when with the departure of Jalen Johnson. I think that, uh, one, no matter what the reason was, that locker room got much closer. Because when you have a guy walk out on a, on a team, whatever the reason may be, mm-hmm. health, uh, future. I.e. Wisconsin last year. You know, right. Yeah, you know, Kobe King. There was a whole situation there. But anyway, with Duke, you know, th- whatever it may be, when you're when a guy leaves a locker room, inherently the people in there get closer together because you're facing adversity. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Jalen Johnson was their top scorer. I mean, he was do, contributing great things on the offensive offensive end of the ball. So there was some restructuring that needed to be done. There had, there was some conversations that needed to be had, and I think they grew tighter and closer because of that. But in terms of on the court, I've just seen this team play much better team defense. They look like they're playing for each other on the defensive end of the ball. It's something that Jalen Johnson was lacking, uh, just effort on the defensive end of the ball. And now they're closing gaps a little bit harder. They look like they want it just a little bit more. And they're playing for each other more. It's noticeable, for sure. They don't look so lost anymore. Mm -hmm. The last uh, One of the teams that's last four in that I've been talking to you guys a lot about is Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Um, Homer. I've been, again, okay, <laughs> call me Homer, but I've been telling you, like, since the beginning of this year, there's been a lot of buzz, like, back home with my friends that go there. They they landed right. Rocket Watts. They've been doing yeah. really well on the recruiting front. They brought back Aaron Henry, who's been emerging, honestly, as one of the best college basketball players. I don't know if you guys will agree with me on that. Yeah, but, he's up there. He's been um, hot lately. Anyways, they beat Ohio State. And Illinois now. Last and they week. Now, in a in week. A week. Yeah. And they back are back now games. That's back tough. into the tournament after being so. um, out of the count. Everyone was kind of counting them out. I think they're on the bubble now. A word of advice to all you college basketball teams out there. Don't come to the Izone in February and March. Nope. nope. You better stay away from Michigan State and East Lansing. That boy, Tom Izzo, got the boys lined up and ready to go. And he has finally figured out how to use these guys. And I yeah. think he struggled all season in these past couple of games. We saw he's clicking. I don't want to say he's figured it out, but I think that he's got them to realize what they can be without Xavier Tillman and Cassius Winston. Right. And, and they had a little bit of a COVID pause. But now they're playing together. They're playing pretty flawless basketball. And they're hanging with some big heavyweight teams. And they're doing damage and getting wins. No, yeah, I just have to give credit where it's due. My boy, Nico J. <laughs> I asked him about a week and a half ago when we were planning the segment for last week's episode of who do we have winning the Big Ten Championship. I asked him when I got home. And this guy looked me in the eyes and said, Michigan State. And I looked, I almost laughed. But then... Later that day, the Spartans beat Indiana, and then later that week, like you said, they beat Illinois and they beat they beat Ohio State. So I just want to give some credit to where it's due to the man Nico J for calling this before anybody saw it. But his reasoning was more important. I mean, he trusts in Tom Izzo. I know you said that it's not all due to Tom Izzo, but Tom Izzo is leading the ship right now. I mean, he is the man of March. He, he gets to Michigan State is the men are the men of March. You know, the, this guy gets his players ready to play when it really matters. And right now, they're in a situation where they got to win out. It's basically March Madness for Michigan State since three games ago. And so far, right. they've passed it's three tests. It's just so crazy because last week we were talking about how they had to play the three best teams in the Big Ten. They still got to play Michigan this weekend. I said poor Michigan State, but now it's looking like yeah. poor the rest of them because Michigan yeah. State's stirring the pot. Seriously, exactly. I'm telling you, they're yeah. deep, man. They're actually – the, they, it, it pays to get hot them. at the right time. It pays to yes. get hot at the right and time. And they always do. Michigan why, State let me always give gets all hot. all of you a little advice for your bracket. But I was kind of cooling off. They're right, cooling off cooling a little off, bit. So I was I definitely a team that's cooling off in the Big Ten, the though, dude. The matter, March, though. They're, March they're, is they're a getting, different story. They're getting banged up. And I don't know. I'm just going to finish with I think that my bubble team, Michigan State, is insanely deep. Yeah. I always forget that they still have Joey Hauser, who's been hitting insane yeah. game changing three pointers for, for them. Sure. Aaron Henry's finally starting to get in rhythm. 
They're missing Foster Lawyer, who was their point guard, but Rocket Watts has been stepping up for them, finally getting into his shoes as a younger player, and I'm excited to see them make a run in the tournament. They're my sleeper team mm. all day. Sparty Nation. All day. Can I pose a question for you boys? Lay it on me. Duke and Michigan State. So Duke is 49th in the net ranking right now. They seem to be making better ground than Michigan State before this week, but now Michigan State has catapulted themselves into the conversation, but they're still sitting at 69th in the net ranking. Who do you guys think you would rather choose, Duke or Michigan State, to make the tournament? Am I, am I picking who I think will make it, or am I picking... Mm. Yeah, let me rephrase that. Who would you take right now? Not who do you think is going to make it. If you, not even, if yeah. I had one spot left and I Duke. had to give it to one of those Duke two. Duke or Michigan State. Would you rather or... have Duke or Michigan State? I'd give it to Michigan State. What about you, Gardo? You know. I'd give it to Homer. Michigan State as well. It's Sparty not Nation. a homer. Tom is I gave you nah, my full like, explanation. Yeah, nah, They're just, finally just As of right the now, they, they are beating better teams and are playing a higher level of basketball than Duke. Thank yes. you. Did and they beat Illinois with? Um, with oh, Io. Io, got Io, hurt. Io got hurt in that game. He At the end. Yeah, he caught a nasty elbow, I want to say. Exactly. Like you got to remember, he, he caught the elbow, the nasty elbow, last five minutes of the game, and he played through it. He actually right. went to the free throw line and made his free throws after getting hit in the face. So. Yeah. And he, they just beat us without him in 20 turnovers tonight. Let yeah. me <laughs> let me build on your guys' point, though. Michigan State has four uh, four quad one wins, and Duke yeah, only has two believe, quad one wins. I believe uh, but the quad. Team, we know has four quad one wins, right? Mm. Doesn't Wisconsin have four quad one wins? Hey, you want to hear what's seven losses, right? Yeah, you want to hear what's crazier? Duke, I mean, sorry, Michigan State has eight quad one losses. Okay, so we're we're only one loss better than Michigan. But do State you want to know what the the Michigan State Spartans have ahead of the Badgers? What? Two top ten wins this week. Two yeah. top ten wins. Period. I think we're zero uh, five against the the three best teams in. All right, we're, enough we're bashing. Owen. It's senior night. No, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about New Michigan State. Yeah, we're 0-6 yeah, against, I want to say, Iowa, Illinois, uh, Ohio State, and Michigan. We're 0-6 against, and we have one more game against Iowa. All right. It's all a right. good, it's a, like, <laughs> like well, just in case like, you're wondering like where we were in the Big Ten. Your point is kind of nice, though, because if you really want to break it down, like, Wisconsin's a lot for the tournament. They're damn near a five seed at the rate that Joe Lunardi mm, no. Joe Lunardi has us at a five seed. So I, I don't think we are a five seed, and I'm not saying we'll end at a five seed, but you know, Joe Lunardi right now, today, has us at a five seed, right? Michigan State has the same four wins in the quad one and the same about eight, seven, you know, losses in the quad one. Why is Michigan State so so far away? Sixty nine. I, I agree. I think I think you're you're kinda on a tangent, but I think you're making a good point. Like Michigan yeah. State. I, I think it's because Wisconsin. timing matters. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I think after beating a number one and a number two seed in a March Madness bracket that's coming up in a week, you can't count them out. You can't, like, yeah. this late in the season, you can't doubt, like, absolutely. with a team that has momentum like that, not throw them into the tournament and see absolutely. what they can do. That's what they love, and that's what ratings are about. That's how college basketball However, works. if I got two votes, I'd try and stick them both in there because I do think that Duke is starting to turn the corner and peak at the right time also. Without Jalen. <laughs> Duke, quad two, three, and four losses. Duke has five. Michigan State only has one. Michigan yeah. State's pretty much only lost all their games to the best of the best. Because they play in the best conference. And they finally they figured the out conference. how to beat them. Right. So yeah, exactly. let's go. All right. If you guys don't have any other dark horses, are we going to swing it to Kondo's corner? I think can we, we can, but. Can we give an honorable mention to Cole Caulfield? That's a great topic that I do want to talk about in Kondo's corner. I love our hockey team right now. I love seeing what these guys are doing out there. Cole Caulfield leading the nation in goals. The big talk we were having before we hopped on the podcast. I don't know why we talk about all these things before the podcast, <laughs> but <laughs> this is where our minds be. The question we had is is Cole Caulfield really legit? Obviously he's proved himself as an NHL talent. Hobie he is probably Baker. Hobie Baker winner Hobie if he Baker. keeps it up. He's gonna go to the NHL. Hobie hopefully be Baker. a generational talent as people are saying. What do you what do you guys think about that? I personally think Jerry Corner. What I think the stage. Well, he's asking a question. But it's corner, he's asking a question. I'll answer, I'll keep it short. I'll give you my opinion. What do you guys think on Cole Caulfield? He's a dog. And I he's just, about to damn near take us to a natty. And that's all I gotta say about it. I think he's just a natural scorer. He just he finds a way to put the puck in a net. Condo. So let's put it this way. 
you, I know, I heard your concerns. You think he's a little too small, he needs to get better at skating, he needs to get a little bit bigger. I, I get that for the NHL, but take the NHL out of the conversation. What do you think Cole Caulfield can accomplish at Wisconsin? I think Cole Caulfield is on top of the world right now, and I've told you guys that. He's got the swagger. I've met him in person. I mm-hmm. can tell he knows he's the ish, mm-hmm. <laughs> and He's backing it up, which mm-hmm. is crazy. And in hockey, when you walk into that rink with that kind of strut every day in, in your suit and tie, and he doesn't even have fans. He goes in there for business. Business and trip. He, I'm seeing this Puts kid suit and tie just score. It. Like Christian said, he has such a raw ability to find the back of the net. Even though most of the, like, some of the times it's not the prettiest. He's not undressing people per se. He's not flashy, but this kid is scoring and the stats are backing it up. And he has just driven us to one of the best hockey teams we've ever seen in Wisconsin. Um, Like you said, I think they have the potential to go to the Frozen Four. We have a great supporting crew for him. But the one thing is, he is a little bit small. And the NHL is known to be very physical in one of the leagues that considers that higher than even, like, I don't know. I don't want to say like the NBA because it's kind of comparable to like being tall in the NBA. It's if just you're put you like at an advantage. Someone like Isaiah Thomas, you have lethal handles in your just an insane ball handler and scorer. If you're Cole Caulfield in your sub six foot, you need to be an elite skater and like one of the best puck handlers in the NHL if you're going to be a generational talent. So that's my one concern is that in that's order to comparison. be someone like Connor McDavid. Like, Cole Caulfield is not as tall as him, doesn't have the lanky build that he has. He's going to need to be one of the fastest kids on the ice and one of the best with the puck. And I personally just don't see him as that in the NHL right now at his current level. I'll give you that. You know more hockey than me. I don't know what he's going to do in the NHL, but... That boy's going to win us a natty. Yes, no, I'm. that's why I'm not trying to discount and hate on this kid. Like, I'm a huge Cole fan. Like, he's a really good right, guy. He's he, he's awesome. I'm just being real, and I'm just giving an honest sports he analysis. Wasn't, he wasn't a number one overall, like, pick that you knew was going to be a stud day one, like yeah. McDavid or Austin yeah. Matthews or, like, Sidney Crosby was back in Where you, like, Connor McDavid is one of, like, in the category with Gretzky, where, like, they looked at this kid when he was less than 10 years old and said, this kid's going to be, like, one of the best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, Cole Caulfield, for your hat trick today. Oh, yeah, yeah respect, bro. Keep grinding. If you ever, <laughs> if you ever hear <laughs> this, I love you, bro. <laughs> Keep doing your thing. With that, you're I a love stud. you. You're a stud. You're a stud. <laughs> you're a stud, dude. Um, with that, I That's think all we, we can got. wrap it up for the night. Thank you guys for joining us once again in the basement. Thanks for listening. We appreciate Until it. Until next week, signing off. Peace.